I know we're trying to make sense of everything we're hearing now, watching the news, things we're experiencing firsthand. Today's message is very sobering, but it's something that we know is there, and sometimes we have a hard time talking about it. And it's simply the darkness that surrounds our lives. This present darkness. Some of us see it in our homes. Some of us see it in our apartment complexes. Some of us see it at work. Some of us are touched by it severely. Where does it come from? What's it all about? Is it just going to get better on its own? Well, Pastor, I don't like talking about that stuff. I like talking about the goodness of God. So do I. But we're living a life and we are living in a time in which the youngest of us know that there's such thing as evil upon the planet. So where do we start? God created us just the way we are. We are designed for this planet. We're not angelic. Turn to somebody and say, I knew that about you. He's given us the ability to operate on this planet. He's given us an earth suit. He's given us the ability to inhale, to get oxygen, to be able to get strength, to breathe, to live. He's given us senses that we use to navigate. We use them so often we seldom give them credence or thought until one of them is affected, whether it's eyesight, whether it's losing the ability to hear as good as we used to, touching something. So we, we navigate with these, we operate with these. But not only do we use those senses as gates to be able to operate in, we also are touched by them when it comes to evil and darkness. We see evil. We hear darkness. We inhale. We touch. Through these different mediums God's given us, these gates, we, we participate in life, but we are also ill-affected by them at times. Many of us could say we have seen heinous crimes that will never escape the theater of our mind that we still live it out, what we witnessed. Some of us have had verbal assaults hurled at us that we still hear that voice ringing in our head. We look around and some of us would say, I don't even want to watch the news anymore because it's, this one's murdered, this one's been raped, this one's been abused, this one's been abandoned, this one's been forsaken. There's just too much death, too much carnage. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians. You know this passage well if you know much scripture at all. Ephesians chapter 6, stand with me. 
we read beginning at verse 10. After all these things that he's been talking about, we're just going to pick up. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And here is this passage we, we know pretty well. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Lord, let this word speak to us again and give us insight, give us instruction again on how to operate even though darkness surrounds us. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Matthew chapter 12, we're given a picture, a story of a man that was demonically oppressed. Notice he wasn't possessed. He was oppressed. But the oppression was so severe that he was blind and moot. Pastor, you're scaring me to death. It's obvious, according to Scripture, it was demonically influenced and coordinated that had got a stronghold in this person's life that caused them to be restrained and lose some of these senses that God had naturally given us to operate in life, and here now it's being used against this person. In this particular story, the reason we want to bring it out is then when Jesus heals this man, delivers him, sets him free, can you imagine not everybody's happy about that? And immediately the attack comes against Jesus, and they say, uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, um, we know we're so spiritual. We know how he did this. He did this through the power of Beelzebub. In other words, we're the ones that seem to be spiritual, and we couldn't set this guy free, so we're not going to let him grandstand in front of us. So we got to come up with something. I guess they thought Jesus would just uh, not comment, and Jesus brings out this vivid truth that we got to know to this day. He made an awareness that there are two opposing kingdoms. Kingdoms. We can't take this lightly. This isn't just uh, Steven Spielberg's spin on things to make another movie out of. This is the reality of this planet, of this globe. That there are two kingdoms operating and this planet is affected by those maneuverings. Jesus immediately said, you know, there's no way a div kingdom divided against itself will fall. So, no, no, it wasn't Beelzebub. He's bringing out this reality of these kingdoms. But the thing for us is, because we are human beings, because we have been given the ability to operate here on this planet and been well suited for it, we can't see into that spiritual realm in our natural gates. Therefore, these kingdoms both are invisible to us. 
We feel the effect at times and we'll give credit to it at times, one way or the other. But the truth is, we're human. And we just naturally navigate through life using those senses and we don't find ourselves thinking about those other things too often unless we are called upon to once again recognize this is just evil. This was incredibly miraculous to realize that these kingdoms are operational. Again, when Jesus, of course, later on, close of ministry years, just before his passion, suffering, death, resurrection, he stands before Pilate, this earthly authority, and Jesus gives him this insight. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate couldn't understand what he was saying. And Jesus says, my kingdom isn't what I'm witnessing right now. Because my kingdom is all about righteousness and peace and joy. How many knows we need to be praying, thy kingdom come right now? As bombs or rockets are hurled toward Jerusalem right now. So there's evidence of these kingdoms operating. Jesus' kingdom, again, is about righteousness and peace and joy. Satan's kingdom is quite different. It operates through domination. It's all about domination. And the Bible tells us that we wrestle against these rulers. If I can kind of paraphrase, we're in a wrestling match, but we're not wrestling against a human, as the Bible declares. But the way I would word it is, we are wrestling against enemies without bodies. At times, it looks like we are so ridiculous as, I mean, have you ever watched somebody in the car next to you at a traffic light, and they're just, and you're like, dude, there's no drums in your car. I saw you the other day, Jim. That was you, right? Sometimes you'll see people playing that dashboard, man, just Hitting, tinkling them ivories. And at times in our maneuvering, understanding these kingdoms, it looks like we're ridiculous wrestling against something that's not there, but we know that it's there, it just doesn't have a body. How many knows that devils go to church? Don't look at the person next to you. Just... <laughs> this kingdom is highly organized. It has great information highways. It communicates. Again, rulers of darkness and issued certain levels of authority. Demonic rule over regions. This is what we do. We dominate in this area with great lust. We work in this area with great pride. And the list just goes on of what assignments are given over 
individuals, over cities, over regions, over nations. These demonic maneuverings, of course, uh, have various authorities, but I want to get back to the word wrestling. It is the perfect word. We wrestle against these things. It is not a boxing, throwing something at it. It is literally hands-on. And when you go back and you look at the wording of this, as it's written, it's actually something much more graphic than many of us think because we're going back to our middle school, high school days of looking at that nice little mat in the gymnasium. But these wrestling matches was winner take all. And you knew it was winner take all. And you could not afford to lose. Because if you lost the match, the victor also came in just to put insult to injury and would gouge out the eyes of the one they had just defeated. You're not going back to your classmates and say, well, I lost that match. I'll try to get it next time. You are now blinded for life. You are marked. This is the wording of Scripture. Hell plays for keeps, folks. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and takes great joy in destruction. This manipulation going on is likened to a marionette because see where a lot of us, we kind of know, but maybe it hasn't made total sense. There are different battlegrounds. One of them is your soul. This wrestling that goes on. Do I go there or maybe I shouldn't? Do I just go in and blast that person with hate and rebuke or not? Wrestling with ourselves. I know what I want to do in the flesh. But the Spirit tells me not to go there. We wrestle. How many have wrestled this week? Oh, come on. How many of you want to tell somebody off in the worst kind of way? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands how many of you succeeded in that. But I promise you there's been many a failed match because we find ourselves yeah I thought I'd feel better after I did that but now I even feel worse or it heightened the division the other battlegrounds here is the next one is the earth and this again is where now we do sense that there is there has to be kingdoms operating here what I just witnessed on the news. I, why would somebody do that to somebody else? How can you live with yourself? What is going on? And How many of us can say, oh my goodness, I have seen a person's complexion change. Their countenance change. It's like something takes over their body. Hello? Remember the story from Matthew 12. The man was not possessed. He was oppressed to such a level 
that it affected him naturally. Come on, somebody. This is why Scripture isn't trying to be colorful and just it's giving us instruction. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is something else stronger controlling that flesh. We find ourselves flirting with evil and darkness as if we think we can control it at the end of the day. This marionette is controlled by a marionettist or a master puppeteer. To me, that was the insight, the, the visual as, as reading scripture again. Because it brings in that third battleground, the heavenlies. And this is where most of the activity is operating. This is why scripture gives us insight. We wrestle not here in the natural near as much as in the heavenlies. Yeah, but I'm here on terra firma. I'm here on this planet. I, 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 this, I can't get up there. I can jump a little bit, but I'm going to come right back here. I'm not supposed to know what's going on there. And this is where many miss out in their understanding is they think that Satan lives, that his address is hell. No, that's just his prison system. He is very much at large, constantly. Man, I trust this scripture comes alive. I mean, we know it well, but we got to get it. Because you see, the scriptures tells us, and this is where we, 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 we go askew. The scripture says, when Satan caused his rebellion so long ago, he was cast out of heaven. But there's more than one heaven. We just took it that he was cast out of the heavenlies and wound up here on the earth, and that's why he's so ticked off and he's always here on the planet with us. No. The Bible tells us he's the prince and the power of the air. You see, he cannot be in that third heaven any longer. But that doesn't mean he's not in the heavenlies. Operating, controlling with rulers, with assignments. Work this area. You see the manipulations that he's working. I'm going to help somebody else here. That thing that's got a hold of you for so long, you're like, man, I just got to quit. The devil knows me too well. I got good news for you. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. It's these operations, but you see, he does control areas through these assignments, these manipulations. And as long as we dwell in that, there is great control over that area and you're affected by it. But we take it as though, you know, I, I, I got to quit. He's already ahead of me. He already knows what I want to do. This manipulation, these assignments, these evil assignments, these darkness assignments... Jesus looks at Peter before his denials 
and warns him. Satan is coming after you. There's an assignment. You're on a kill list. And he's got demons coming after you. But I've already prayed to the Father. You see, all these insights that we have from Scripture, we're still to operate in. Look here. This tells it all. Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 2. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air. Can you see? The puppeteer. The spirit that is now still at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Wow, right there is the picture. The prince and power of the air. We once were there, living to the course of the world. We were allowing the lust of the flesh the dictates of the flesh to control us. You once were there. Giving insight again to this wrestling match. Again, you once were there. The course of this world. Again, directed by the prince and power of the air. Again, showing us the way he operates. Controlling, manipulating, giving assignments. Understand again, his kingdom is all about domination. Always about domination. Getting control. This is why oppression comes. This is why depression comes. It is that pressure. How many has felt darkness? Sure. It's reality. It's invisible to the natural, but it's reality. This marionette, we have access now to get victory over because this is why Jesus taught us in what we call the model prayer to pray on earth as it already is in heaven. Understand that these heavenlies, so again, Satan doesn't live in hell, operates in this realm of the heavenlies. Manipulating, marionetting what's happening here on the earth. Doing it with great domination. And yet the scripture now gives us our battle training. Again, I can identify in the most recent years, as most of you know, if not all, I drive a school bus. But you know what? They don't just let you walk in and say, hey, I want that big old yellow thing right over there. Give me the keys. I'm just going to take off in it. Spoiler alert, they actually train you to do it. You go through great training systems in every way. This can happen. That can happen. Be prepared. Got a little acronym, SIPTI. You're to search and inspect and then predict what's going to happen in the next two blocks or a quarter mile if you're on the highway and then decide what you're going to do and then execute they train you to be looking ahead 
Oh, there's a car coming in. Will it run that red light? There's a child on a bicycle there. There's a person coming the opposite direction, already crossing the center line. You are looking ahead. You are making a prediction. I think there's a possibility they're going to hit the front of this bus. I need to decide what I'm going to do and execute that. So it is in the spiritual realm as well that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, to be strong in the Lord and have strength in his strength. Strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. In other words, this is a battle. And I can't just go into it lackadaisical. I got to know. I got to be vested in this thing. I have to be trained. I have to gain strength. I have to be given acumen and prowess to be able to deal with it. Because in the heat of battle, I got to know, I got to be able to just rely upon my training. This is good preaching, folks. This is where most of us fail because we let the carnal man, just the natural in us, overtake us in the heat of battle. I, didn't, I know I shouldn't have hit that guy in the nose, but in the moment, I just was mad. But if we had been trained correctly and strong in the Lord and the power of his might, we would have had the strength to resist. Ooh, come on, somebody. How many times have you gone home at night and just think you're the stupidest person on the planet? Why didn't I keep my big mouth shut? Those of you visiting, this is the way I preach. It's real, folks. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Here's the difference of the kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness is all about domination. The kingdom of light does not dominate. We've been given free will. And he operates through the power of the Spirit. In other words, he doesn't manipulate us from over us. He's much wiser. He comes in us. Greater is he that is in me, living in me, residing in me, controlling me, not manipulating me, not dominating me, guiding me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We need the Spirit of God operating in our life, keeping current with it, fresh with it, going back, being trained, 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 trained again. Lord, help me this day. I'm going to pray before this day begins. Lord, you are the good shepherd. Lead me in paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through a valley of a shadow, I'm not going to fear. You're going to be with me. There may be robbers out there. There may be wolves out there, but you'll go with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I start getting out of alignment, you give me a nudge. Walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh wants to retaliate. Hmm. It wants credit. I want to bring up something that, of the fruit of the Spirit. Of course, again, found the book of Randy. Again, it's a great read, folks. Get it? We usually talk about nine fruit of the Spirit. I believe it's just one fruit manifested in other ways. It's all about love. 
But it comes down through the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance. That gentleness word, wow, what a word. I'm going to get down to where you are. Am I driving the cameraman crazy? When I said gentleness, did that sound like somebody's just a sissy? Did that sound like somebody's just a coward? We're talking about the Spirit of God. That same power that resurrected Jesus' body from the dead is the same power that's in us. Not dominating us, not manipulating us, but leading us. This gentleness that is offered to us through the Spirit is incredible. Because you see, it there's a quality control to it. It never angers too much and it never angers too little it knows when to take a stand with righteous anger this gentleness that he offers us controls us and keeps us from excess of getting too angry but it keeps us from not being angry enough. In other words, indifference. This gentleness that he offers us in this quality way never, never, never leads us down the wrong path to retaliate to a personal harm. Oh, but I want to do that. But it will create the strength to fight the good fight of faith. The weapons of our warfare, Paul would write, are not like this world's. They're not carnal. But oh my, don't make any mistake, they are mighty. And we can boast of our weapons of mass destruction in the natural. We can boast of the efficiency of firearms. We can talk about the power that we can have in these carnal, physical, natural weapons that have been designed, but they still pale in comparison to what the kingdom of God offers us. In other words, he reminds us of these weapons pulling down strongholds. Jesus operated in that to set that man oppressed to where his natural eyesight and his speech were able to come back to him. No Uzi would have got that job done today, that day. A bazooka wouldn't have got that job done that day. But the surgical precision of the Spirit of God working through that weaponry set that man free. Oh, my. Don't leave here to think, well, just little old me, I can't do anything. When you're a child of God and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, again, Greater is he that's in you now. To understand the power <clears throat> of these weapons. To understand how they operate. 
to understand again. Look at the, look at the armor of God listed there. I won't go through all of them and give description. Again, you understand the helmet of salvation protects our thought life and the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. But notice we go through there and we talk about these, these, these parts of the armory of God offers us. And typically when we teach it, we'll talk about there's six of them. We talk about five of them being defensive, shielding us, our head and our chest and our waist and our feet and having that shield of faith. And then we talk about only having one offensive weaponry, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. But would you look a little further? There's another one listed there. Oh. Because he said, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying in the spirit always. William, you'll love this. Because we need both. There are times we are in that wrestling match and it is hand-to-hand combat. And we take the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and we slay the enemy and his assignment. And we repel the kingdom of darkness in that moment using the word of God. But you see, that sword is, can only affect that which is close by. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you now have something that can assail far beyond your natural reach. Woo, come on, somebody. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my marriage. Thy kingdom come. Get a hold of my boy's heart. Surround him by your goodness, by your mercy that's new this morning. Shield him from the fiery darts of the enemy. Shield him from the enemy's assignment. My sword only reaches so far, but praying in the Spirit. How many knows we got to have the Holy Ghost operating in our life? Praying in the Spirit. You see, praying in these different posturings, these weapons that are mighty through God. In other words, praying with thanksgiving. <laughs> that is the very thing that enlarges what we're dealing with. It expands what we're dealing with. Jesus prayed over a little boy's happy meal one day and 20,000 people were fed because he prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. God, I'm going to give you thanks for what you've already done, but I'm also going to give you thanks about what you're going to do. You can take this, God. Little is much in the hand of God. <sighs> and then the power of praise. The power of praise, them old boys in that Philippian jail, they knew something, though. They were stoved up. They were already hurting so bad, bruised and battered. But they got a hold of that which was in them and understood, wait a minute, I'm just going to give him praise anyhow. I'm going to praise him in this bad time as much as I do in the good times. You see, that's what caused that jail to, to bellow up and, and, and offer up its inhabitants. It could not resist the power of praise that released and set the captive free. Mm. What about the times you pray a prayer of proclamation? Wow. 
It isn't just Satan that knows about territory authorities. How many knows all authority has been given to him? Would you stand with me today?